Good morning and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. Um, if you're a long-term, long-time listener, there we go, English is my language, um, you know that at Jew in the City we dispel myths about Orthodox Jews. Um, and one of the most common myths that I believe is out there, and look, it could be that there is some history to this. I can't speak to exactly when things started changing, although people have told me that when women started working in the larger world, Orthodox women followed suit. But I, I won't claim to be a historian here and tell you when women in the Orthodox world started working. But I have heard people mention before that, you know, as it became more accepted and popularized in the larger world, the Orthodox world did follow. Um, one of the main questions that we get here, I think that comes up all the time. In fact, I was just watching a segment um, of Ruchi Fryer, one of our all-stars this year on Megan Kelly. Check it out. It's awesome. And we have a little picture in the back um, featuring our all-stars event. So hello, like we've been on the Megan Kelly show. Um, is that people think that Orthodox women can't work. And that's one of the first questions they ask Ruchi when she comes on. Um, it's actually in the interview they say that, you know, Hasidic women can't work. It could be that Hasidic women are not working quite to the same um, amount as, you know, non-Hasidic. Um, in the ultra-Orthodox yeshivish world, we know that um, the women actually work more than the men do, so you can't really get away with uh, making that claim there. Um, but I would say a common misconception that comes up again and again is women aren't allowed to work. I remember as a kid growing up, I would see the Orthodox women you know, pushing the strollers with all the kids in it and thinking like, you know, they are relegated to only watching the kids, they're not allowed to work. And people just sort of have this idea that gets repeated again and again. And so today, um, we're going to be speaking to two women, not only that work, but actually have made it their business now to make working easier for women, not just Orthodox, but all women. Um, they have some, you know, I guess, critiques on the environment of the workplace for the, you know, the working mother. Um, and they have dedicated their lives now to doing something about that um, with um, their new company. And I'm excited to bring on Marnina Hirsch and Faya Lighton to our show today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having us. Thanks, Allison. So just to, you know, I was looking over your bios before and then going through all the, um, there's a lot of letters next to each of your names. So um, I'm not going to embarrass myself now and try to remember all of the letters. But Marnina, your background is um, you were a school nurse and you're a, a certified uh, lactation uh, consultant. Um, and Chaya, you are a physician assistant as well as a lactation consultant. That's what the two of you were doing. Um, can you, um, I guess, tell me when you decided that you wanted to kind of leave what you were doing and then start something new? And what, what did you start? Um, yeah, so I think a lot of the inspiration for Together and Us came from our personal experiences with breastfeeding mothers in the workforce. Um, but like you said, also from all the stories we were hearing from patient after patient, that this is still very much an issue um, in today's workforce. Um, and it's just so surprising because as a society today, we are constantly striving to be more sensitive and accommodating to all types of needs, yet the basic needs of working moms are still being ignored. And um, what's truly shocking is that employers haven't really thought too much or considered this. Um, Women with children are the fastest-growing segment of the workforce today, and more than 60% of women with children under the age of one are working outside the home, and 70% of all moms are choosing to breastfeed now, so this is a very relevant issue for today's employer. So let's actually talk about, um, you know, 
I sort of alluded to um, the fact that the workplace isn't so conducive for the working mom and your solution to this was togetherness. But uh, maybe now if you could explain to us a little bit um, what what this company offers when you launched it, that sort of a thing. Sure. So um, togetherness is actually, we, we like to refer to it as a wellness company um, that focuses specifically, specifically on mothers returning to the workforce after maternity leave and giving them the tools they need to advance their careers while caring for their families and also themselves. And another important aspect is that we're, we're really helping the employer um, because supporting breastfeeding is actually good for their business. And they may not understand it. They may have heard that, you know, breastfeeding is a nice thing to do and having moms being able to pump when they come back to work is also somewhat supportive. So they may, you know, have a chair in a room somewhere that mom can go and pump. But they don't necessarily understand that that can really help their bottom line. Um, so there, there are a lot of uh, pieces of education that we put out, and um, we do a lot of training in the workplace to try to help them understand that this can help them look. So the services that you're offering is you're empowering the mother going back to work to understand how she can balance it, and then you're educating the workplace how to be more, um, I guess, friendly or more conducive to the working mom. Am I getting that right? Sort of the two like branches of the company. Yes, and you know, I think Allison, you posted a lot on your um, on your site about all of the harassment that we're hearing about every day towards women. Um, so I think that it's just this issue is very apropos. Even in today's modern era of um, workplace equality, we're still seeing that that this is this is lagging. So we're trying to help the employers understand that um, this can not only help them with productivity, but it can also help um, by just decreasing absences. For instance, uh, one day absences are decreased by fifty percent when babies are given breast milk. And um, employers that actually do have lactation support programs in the workplace actually see a cost savings of $3 for every dollar spent, which is pretty impressive. Um, so we're trying to educate as well as empower moms, absolutely. And provide them with the practical tools they need um, to really advance their careers, but also not give up on their breastfeeding goals um, or any other personal goals they may have when returning to work. So I'm a big fan, obviously, of education, and you know when I see that there's misinformation out there, um, and people could be, you know, living maybe better lives or more fulfilled lives. I mean, that was really the impetus that you know pushed me to start you in the city. Um, you said you're doing seminars in the office to educate the workplace. Um, what are you doing to educate the moms? How, how do they receive their um, education? Well, first of all, we're trying to write um, blogs that inform moms about their rights. And, in fact, there are legal rights now for breastfeeding moms when they return to work. Um, in 2010, the Affordable Care Act basically has provided protection for, for moms in the workforce. Employers must give their female employees reasonable break time um, to pump breast milk for their for one year after birth. Um, it has to be in a private room other than a bathroom um, that is shielded from view and intrusion, so this way they, they can go there and know confidently that no one's going to walk in on them. Um, and so I think most moms now are starting to realize this has already been in effect for seven years, that there are certain um, laws that are already in place, and in fact a lot of states have even more stringent laws offering even further protections um, for moms. 
Um, and so I think I think the word is getting out, but we're definitely trying to empower moms to know that they have these rights and that they sometimes need to trailblaze and be the first one um, potentially in their workforce to bring it to their employer and to really say, you know, this is the law and, and you need to accommodate us. I can just remember when I was working in the NICU after I had my second child, um, NICU is a neonatal intensive care unit, so I had come back uh, to work after having her and um, talking with one of the physicians who turned to me and said, after having a conversation about pumping, he turned to me and said, we need to hire more men and single women. And I was floored. He was, he was someone who was very educated, and, you know, yet that was still still part of the culture, is that it was an inconvenience in a NICU, which is a place where we value breast milk. In fact, we will use donor breast milk to prevent diseases in the NICU, such as necrotizing enterocolitis, um, and I just found it so shocking that even as recent as that was, she's 10 now, um, that that's still going on. So, you know, we really do have to educate both both parties, both employers and the moms themselves. So education through social media, big fan of that. Obviously, you can really reach a lot of mm -hmm. people, and you can change lives. So um, totally uh, agree with mm -hmm. that. Um, what are the recommendations? Like, what would you say most... I guess companies or corporations are doing wrong and you know what are you suggesting to them to make the you know workspace more friendly to you know to moms um, I, I think the first thing they're doing wrong is they're not making it a priority um, it's usually an afterthought I think a lot of moms are finding themselves working in uh, pumping sorry pumping on closets literal literally closets Sometimes we've seen images of moms sitting next to the internet router with wires hanging, and that can't be healthy for anyone. Um, and it just it seems so short-sighted because if you show the women in your workforce that you value them and you value what's important to them, they're just going to be more productive and they're going to want to just give their work their all, and they will. So much energy is lost from anxiety. The anxiety these moms have um, by not knowing where they can turn to next for a private place to pump. And if you take away that anxiety and that stress, um, you just end up with moms who are worrying less, are more productive, they're wasting a lot less time because they're not, you know, to walking 10 minutes to the parking lot so they can sit in their car and pump, and they're just getting back to work, and they're positive. They're much more positive. And they feel cared for. And I just want to say we're talking about breastfeeding, but there's... there's um, you know, efforts that we also have within our TNS, um proposals that really extend to all moms. So we actually have wellness programs for any mom who's coming back to work after having a newborn and trying to struggle with, you know, making sure she has a healthy meal to eat, um, getting some exercise in, taking care of herself so she can be both a better mom and, a, you know, a higher, a more productive employee. So um, we really try to extend to all new moms coming back because I can tell you personally, that that is really hard. That you know, work life balance when coming back to work. You know what you're saying about sort of having a place for the moms that you know they don't have to feel stressed or go into a closet. Um, I don't know if you saw this movie. I just saw it. I mean, late, but it's fabulous. I'm going to recommend it to everyone. Hidden Figures. Um, it was just such a feel good movie. Clean, just like a great based on a great story of these <laughs> African American uh, NASA scientists. 
And was oh, that, that movie, that was a great movie. Great movie. <laughs> like, sort of with all the, like, smut and junk that's out there that is in the media. When I watch something like this, I'm like, this is what content creation could be and should be. And we don't need to rely on, you know, the, the gore and the violence and the, you know, nudity and the, you know, explicit scenes. Uh, but what reminds me of that, what you're saying right now, is that um, the, this woman was brilliant. She was contributing in, you know, tremendous ways to NASA. And she didn't have a mm -hmm. bathroom. She didn't have a colored women's bathroom that she could get to. So she had to, like, you know, run to the other side <laughs> of, you know, yeah. the, the campus. And it just seems sort that's of... That's right, um, in the pouring rain. Yeah, and that's still happening. In fact, I think Chaya was just interviewing the mom earlier this morning for our blog. And um, I'll let Chaya tell the story. But Yeah, I was actually speaking with a mom who lives in Minnesota this morning, um, just getting her story, her back-to-work story. And... Um, she was telling me how she's a home care nurse, and so she does a lot of driving. And when she has to pump milk, she basically sits in her car in four degree, minus four degree weather, uh, shipping. And um, one of the, the things that she has to do in order to keep up with her productivity quota is to really extend her work day. So she had to come home later and even sometimes bring homework, um, you know, work home, so that she be, became so full of anxiety that she actually had to decrease pumping and supplement with formula. But I just have this image of her, you know, trying to, to do what she needs to do for her baby in this car, in the cold car, um, and then having to answer to other people at work, you know, people who wanted her to take on extra work, to drive, you know, a little bit further than usual to see another patient, um, and just really feeling guilty and uh, almost apologetic. And um, it, that doesn't have to be, and that should not be. No, and it just takes such a simple measure. You know, just a, a room, and of course we design not just the room, our, our rooms are beautiful and they're sophisticated because one of the things we value is the fact that these women are taking all their break time to pump for their little one, and why should they be spending all their break time in, in a closet? They should be in a beautiful space that when they're finished, they feel rejuvenated, like they've actually had a chance to catch their breath, and when they get back to work, they again, they're just ready to get back into it and give it their all, so this is really just like a win-win for everyone. So just to clarify, you um, are doing social media content to educate women about their rights. You're doing seminars to educate um, employers and businesses to be more um, friendly to their female, you know, mother employees. You said something about building a room to, that would be good for women. Are you giving them advice? Are you building it? Like, is there is that part of the services that you offer? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah, so we, we do the room design. Um, we have an agreement with um, uh, office commercial furniture vendor who can supply furniture uh, for us. But we also do custom room design, and we can really uh, provide the spectrum of different services. So whether we want something more simple, um, we can do that. And we can also do something a little bit more grand and custom, even if it's to their color scheme. Um, so we can do we can do a lot. Um, we make sure that what is in the room is is appropriate, so it's not you know uncomfortable. In fact, we saw a picture of a room recently where there was just this hard wooden bench for pumping, and that certainly wouldn't be ideal for a mom who's already stressed out. So we try to really take into consideration all of mom's needs. So, what would like the sort of turnaround time be from? Um, let's say someone hears you right now, they say, I want to make my work environment more conducive to my female employees. I'm hearing now from, uh, you know, this company that, um, you know, 
it's my, I'm going to make more money, which I want to do as a business. And I can also be a good person, which I want to do as a person, hopefully. Um, so they bring you in and then they want to, you know, have you design one of their rooms. What's the turnaround time for like going from sort of conception of, I want to be better to, you know, actually having a usable space. Is there like any, you know, sort of general time that you tell people it will take, or does it depend on like the pre-existing space of the office or? Yes, exactly. So because all the the companies that in theory would be reaching us who have had different, um, first of all, different number of women working there, different um, numbers of women that are childbearing age and would utilize the space, the first thing we would do would be an assessment of how many women do they think need to be utilizing this room on any given day and then seeing what kind of space they have to give towards the cause, especially in Manhattan where, you know, you're paying a premium for every square foot. Um, companies may not be able to give a very generous size room, but to take up the space that they're giving us and trying to utilize it to the best of our ability, making sure we can try to accommodate as many moms as we can at once, because there are actually companies doing this already. Um, I had a patient that recently told me there is a lactation room in her workplace, but it's very small, and there are quite a few moms that are pumping, and they literally have to book the room as soon as they get home from the hospital, weeks before, they'll be going back to work because the room is in such high demand. And, again, because everyone wants their privacy, um, it, it can only accommodate so many people at once. So I think she said almost as soon as she got home, she was already going onto her website, her, her office website, and reserving her time slot. Um, so definitely trying to accommodate as many moms as possible. But definitely we need we, the turnaround time could be very quick in terms of reaching out to them, going there, doing a full assessment. Um, and then given given the circumstances, putting in a really beautiful room that maximizes their space. And then the training is also, it can be customized. Um, it can be done over several lunch breaks um, or all at once over a couple of, you know, hour seminars. Um, and that, that part's pretty quick. Um, and then we offer ongoing wellness programs. So that is where we would make an agreement with a, a corporation of what type of offering they'd like. So they may want to gift their new moms, um, you know, 10 sessions with a private trainer who we have on staff um, who specializes in postpartum fitness. Or they may actually want to have a nutritionist come in and give um, one-on-one with their, with their working mom employees. So that may be more of a long-term relationship. And the argument that you make for any of this wellness stuff is if you invest in your employees, um, you will like end up getting more committed, more dedicated, better, you know, sort of work output from them if you put something in. Is that kind of the, the argument that you make? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Most moms, I think, today, unfortunately, are leaving the workforce. Um, there's a, a really big issue that most of these companies face, which is that they can't retain their talented female staff. They spend years um, training them, investing in them, and then when they start their families, I think most mothers just come to the realization that the work-life balance, just it, it's, it's too difficult, too stressful, um, and oftentimes, if financially they can, they'll opt out, and they'll, and they'll leave the workforce, and, and that really creates a lot of issues for these companies, and if they can only just, just give them a little bit of a, a gesture, and, and because these little things make a huge difference. Just giving them a room so that they can go and, and pump, that takes, again, away so much anxiety, and it makes it just so much easier for them to balance everything and to and to be able to stay in the workforce long-term long and to have a certain level of appreciation for their employer that they wouldn't have had otherwise. But, again, it's not just the lactation room. It's also all those wellness programs that we're offering, um, trying to really help moms 
again, advance their careers and not completely give up on, on themselves. Oftentimes, moms, because we're so loving by nature, we never give up on our families. We're always going to take care of our families, that's for sure. Um, the one that usually gets lost or, you know, left out of the equation is, is mom herself. And, you know, a mom that's not feeling good about herself and physically not well is not likely going to be uh, a very productive worker. So now that we've talked a little about um, together nesting, um, I want to move back to if this has come up at all, because I find it like fascinating that it's a couple of Orthodox women that are going out and kind of, you know, telling, I don't want to say lecturing, because I'm sure you do it very nicely and politely, but like, you know, kind of a little <laughs> bit, um, you know, you're schooling um, sort of the larger world, the corporate world that kind of tells a nice tale about, you know, gender equality and all that sort of thing. Um, and you're telling them, no, you, you should be better to women. So I guess, could you guys give me, you know, a little bit of a background about sort of, you know, did you grow up Orthodox and kind of where does, um, your Judaism play into this desire to make things better for women, to make things equal, equal for women? Because really the, you know, stereotype is that, you know, women are lowly and subjugated in the Orthodoxy. So how does your, you know, religious background influence your desire to do this? Well, I didn't grow up with that contradiction at all. Um, even though I grew up in Silver Spring, which is a, a Orthodox community going by leaps and bounds, but um, you know, I went to a typical girls' high school, went to seminary, went to college, got married. Um, you know, I, I never really had the mentality that I I couldn't do work and be Orthodox at the same time and. I think it came from just growing up. I had my mother who started a graphic design firm in D.C. Uh, way back when when women really weren't their own firms. Um, she was the first one to do that in Washington, D.C. And she eventually had clients such as the White House and National Geographic. So for me, I always looked to her and thought, you know, why not? Why can't I? There's no reason. But I do know what you're talking about. Cause in high school, I remember talking to a teacher and expressing my interest in architecture, and she turned to me and said, well, you know, architecture has a lot of math, and math is better suited for boys. Girls are really good at English and history, and I was floored, and that stayed with me for years, and I always found it ironic because what I ended up doing, which was becoming a PA, it really entailed a lot of science in my studies. Um, so I, I guess I feel that a lot of that is a misconception, and I feel like togetherness is helping um, break that, and uh, hopefully people will understand that it's not a contradiction. Um, and I grew up um, in Ottawa, Canada. Uh, I grew up in a modern Orthodox family. Uh, Ottawa is a pretty small Jewish community, about 12,000 Jews. I was fortunate to go to a Jewish day school um, in a very small Jewish high school. I was one of eight kids in my graduating class. Um, so life in Ottawa is certainly very different than life here in New Jersey. Um, but I think I think um, one of the things I always learned growing up in a small community is that every single person makes a difference, and there's definitely a lot of opportunities for leadership when you're one of eight in in a high school class. Um, so I think I was always able to internalize that message. Um, but I would also say that in general, um, Orthodox women are some of the hardest working people I know. Um, most people, most Orthodox women I know definitely work outside the home. Some have very, um, very um, high levels of education. And um, in addition to the work outside their home, running a Jewish household is a full-time job in and of itself. 
Um, I always laugh in, in October and November when all the magazines come out giving women game plans to get through Thanksgiving dinner, and I just think to myself, if only they, they knew what it was like to get through paper. And, and, then, and then think about Shabbos. I mean, so every week is Thanksgiving in a Jewish household. Um, so there's so much involved in running a Jewish household, and I think that most Jewish women probably have a higher level of, of executive functioning than most people just based on that alone. Um, but I think that in all the places where I've worked, Jewish women have always um, kind of served as the role models. They, they carry themselves with a very high level of professionalism. They, they have an extra level of, of self-respect and modesty, and I think people really view that with a lot of respect and admiration. Awesome. Um, and have, have any of the people that you've gone to, you know, that you've worked with so far, do they realize that you're Orthodox? Has that come up? Like if you've, you know, brought this to non-Orthodox businesses? Yes. Um, in our clinical practice, which is where we help moms with uh, breastfeeding problems, we, we know that we're, we're Orthodox. We'll tell them on um, Friday that they can't reach us um, Friday night and Saturday. So, you know, we're very proud to to tell them that, and and also, you know, they see us, we treat them equally whether or not we have an, a patient who is, um, you know, it doesn't matter what religion that person is, um, it's just we, we really try to extend ourselves to every patient, and I think that they appreciate that. Even when it comes to togetherness, and they see us um, promoting women in the workplace, I think all the more so, they're impressed and, um, you know, they're very supportive. But would you ever say surprised? Has anyone ever commented to you that they're surprised that Orthodox women would be um, helping to create a more, you know, workplace-friendly environment for women, or people just maybe keep no, it not at all. No, actually, um, we haven't encountered that, and hope to never encounter that. <laughs> and I hope our daughters never encounter that either. Maybe our efforts will help. <laughs> no, it could be. I don't think when we before, you know, I was Orthodox. We didn't like the Orthodox, but I don't think we actually like said it out loud. We might have just said it amongst ourselves. Um, we have a couple minutes left, but um, <laughs> I guess in the last couple minutes, if you could sort of close us with, what is the dream? This is a pretty new company, but um, like, where do you envision yourself? This is what you know we have to do as an organization. What's the five-year plan? What's the ten-year plan? You know, what if you had sort of things you know went according to your plan? Um, how would things look in a number of years? Well, I would, I, we would love to see more work, more companies adopting our philosophy and, and really showing the women in the workforce that they appreciate them and, again, that they value what they hold here. And I think all women going back to the workforce will hold their family. That's, that's the number one priority for them. And um, I think we're seeing a movement in, in today's day and age where there's, we're trying to strike a balance between life and work. We're talking about it. At least it's part of the conversation now, whereas I think maybe 10 years ago it wasn't. Um, and I think that this is a really important step on that journey. And because women are, are the heart of the home, I think, you know, giving them the tools they need to be able to, to feel like the mom they want to be, but also the employee that they want to be is, is going to be huge. So, again, to us, we feel like this is just such, an easy thing to do, something that speaks to common, your common sense. It, it shouldn't be a hard sell. Um, yeah, in, in, in 10 years, about five and 10 years, and I spoke earlier about my daughter and, and Marnina as well has her daughter um, that we think of. And in the future, we don't want them to feel like they have to apologize for taking care of their child and working. 
And um, that's really the vision. And also, I, I want to go back to the employers that we want them to understand that this is not just um, fluff, so to speak. This is really going to help them and help them bot- their, their bottom line um, and, and really to retain those, those women in the workforce. Um, we just, you know, going back to the media, what we're hearing, we're hearing about Uber, we're hearing about Google um, and, and companies that really are not um, including their female the situation for their female workforce, but we want to change that. And even if we start with baby steps now, um, we'll get there. Awesome, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, this is really an incredible uh, business that you started, and we wish you a lot of hatlafa. And thank you, um, thank you so much, Allison. And thank you all for listening. Thank you. You can catch us same time, same place next week. Bye bye.